This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, Jesus says, my eyes in evaluating your life see see everything that's not precious spiritually. And all that one day will, will, be, will be burned up. That part of your life is not going to make it into eternity. But the precious metals, the precious spiritual fruit and attributes of your life will Welcome back to the Activate Podcast, the ministry of Journey Church International. My name is Brandon, and today I will continue a conversation with Pastor Christian about a recent message in our series, Letters from Jesus. Um, This week, we'll be taking a closer look at Jesus' letter to the church at Thyatira, found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. Pastor Christian, we're over halfway through this incredible series, and as a pastor reading and studying these letters to the churches 2,000 years ago, what's God's been, what, what has God been speaking to your heart about our growing church today? You know, I think the thing that stood out to me the most um, from, from this series, now that you know we're four churches in, is Jesus telling every church, I know your deeds. Right? I think as a church, we're seven years in. Literally, we're celebrating our seven-year anniversary this Sunday. I think our church um, focuses a lot, rightly so, on decisions. We celebrate decisions. We are a church that exists to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. But, but nowhere does Jesus say, I know how many decisions that you have. He's talking to the people about their lives, not to the church about their decisions. And, and we know the Great Commission is important, and we know we're supposed to go we know we're supposed to reach people when Romans says you can't reach them unless you preach the gospel. I mean, we get all that. But I think it's just been deeply impressed on my heart, Jesus looking at the people and Jesus holding the, the pastors in his hand and having authority and saying, I know the deeds of the people. I know I know how they're living their life. I know what they think. I know how their theology is being shaped. And I think I've just I've been really, really challenged that the lives of our people, the daily lives of our people uh, the understanding of theology that our that our people have what they what they believe what they know is right what they know is wrong uh, i've just been impressed that that's more important than ever uh, in our church as we head into the season of our next 7 years uh, i th- i think i could sum it up by saying the emphasis on deeds over decisions has just weighed heavily on me as a spiritual leader that i've i've got to i've got to help our people get ready to live their lives for jesus uh, in a way uh, where when they are held accountable, and they will be, they'll be ready for that, and, and they'll be glad they were at our church and that we prepared them for that. Our deeds are basically taking our faith, our theology, what we believe about God, and putting it into action, right? Well, our deeds our deeds are our faith. Our deeds are our belief. You know, Rick Warren says you only believe what you do. Uh, you know, the demons believe in God and, and shudder, so... If you believe in tithing, you tithe. If you believe you're supposed to serve, you serve. If you believe you're supposed to turn the other cheek, you turn the other cheek. If you believe you're supposed to pursue Jesus, you read your Bible. If you don't, if you don't do those things, it's because you it's because you don't believe them. I mean, it's not because you don't have time, but you know, ultimately, you don't jump off a building because you believe in gravity, um, and you know, and and that dictates that dictates your actions, right? So belief always produces actions, um, and actions are always—convictions are always seen through actions. That's just the reality. Convictions are seen through actions, and Jesus said, I can, I can tell where your heart is by what your life is doing. Well, let's, let's press into that a little bit deeper today by looking at this church at Thyatira. 
Um, each letter to the seven churches reveals something about Jesus for us to know. Um, the, the, to the church at Thyatira, Jesus revealed himself as the eyes like blazing, like a blazing fire. Can, can you help us understand this in deeper ways, especially in consideration with Paul's um, second letter to the church at Corinth when he talked about this, this judgment seat of Christ? Yeah, so we're we're going to do something on today's podcast that we've not done, and that we're we're using this podcast as a little bit of kind of theology one hundred and one, doctrine one hundred and one. We're we're going to take an entire podcast and just talk talk about a single topic, the judgment seat of Christ, which we we just didn't have time to cover in the message, but it really demands an understanding. The point I made in the message demands a little bit of background understanding on the judgment seat of Christ. So we're told to the church at Thyatira that Jesus has eyes blazing like fire. That helps us understand that Jesus sees all and he evaluates all just like a refining fire evaluates what is precious metal and what is not. You say, what do you mean a, a fire evaluates what is precious metal and what is not? When 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 precious metal is tested, when it's refined, when it's purified, it's just put through a blast furnace, right? Because precious metals can stand the heat, and everything that is wrapped in, all the dross, all the garbage, all the non-precious material will burn up, and what's left at the end of it is the real thing. Um, Jesus says, my eyes, in evaluating your life, see see everything that's not precious spiritually, and all that one day will will be will be burned up. That part of your life is not going to make it into eternity. But the precious metals, the precious spiritual fruit and attributes of your life will. So when we see Jesus having eyes like a like a like a fire, we see Jesus evaluating our life for what is precious spiritually, uh, and the things in our life that are kind of spiritually garbage, and evaluating us based on the need for a separation of those things. Uh, which we see most in 2 Corinthians 5.10 that I quoted on Sunday, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for things done while in the body, whether good or whether bad. Romans 14.10 tell us we'll appear before Christ for judgment. 1 Corinthians 3.9-15 tells us we'll appear before Jesus for judgment. And then 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us we'll appear before Jesus um, for judgment. But this is not a judgment of sin. Like we're not standing before Jesus to figure out whether or not we're going to heaven or whether or not we're going to hell. This is a judgment of reward. This is a judgment based on the stewardship of your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about how difficult it is to be a Christian in a life where the world around you is dying and decaying, and in a life where your body is dying and decaying, Paul said it's hard to be a Christian knowing that this life is going to come to, to end, but we don't have a dread of death because we know eternity is waiting. He goes into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and in verses 1 through 10, he kind of parallels that you know kind of near excitement of one day going to live before Jesus but in awareness, even as a Christian, we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account for our life. I'm going to read the whole passage here on the podcast, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10, after Paul says, man, it's hard to be a Christian in a world where culture is dying and decaying and our lives are dying, our bodies are dying and decaying, but we're not afraid of it. He, he says this, for we know that if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, our body, we know if our body dies, we have a building from God. 
an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. We're going we're gonna to get an eternal body. Meanwhile, we groan, tarred, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. We want the spiritual life to take over, so we won't be vulnerable spiritually. Paul says, for while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we don't wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who's given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He said we feel this way because God made us feel this way, and it's the Spirit that shows us what is coming. Then he says this in verse 6, Therefore we're always confident, and we know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. As long as we live on earth, we can't be with Jesus. For we live by faith, not sight. We're confident. I say we'd actually prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Every Christian would rather be in heaven. So we make it our goal to please God. Whether we're at home in the body, on earth, or away from it in heaven, why? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Paul said every Christian should be excited to get to heaven and motivated by the fact that when we get there, we'll be rewarded for our Christian life, judged for our work, not our sin, held, held accountable, have to answer eye to eye, face to face for our sin, um, but judge for our work. Our sin is not judged. It's forgiven as Christians. The judgment seat that we're going to stand before is the word bema in Greek, B-E-M-A. Uh, it's the seat of a judge at the Olympic Games. In this case, it would have been the Grecian Games, which were second only to the Olympic Games. It was the place athletes would go to get their rewards for victory. When they won, it's where they would go to get their medals. Uh, we're told that that God gives you know people gifts and medals, uh, and that He evaluates our life based on these. Right in the parable of the steward, He gave one person one talent, one person three, and one person five. But when He came back, He said, "I'm going to hold you accountable for how you use these." Right, you're going to be accountable for how you lived your life, and you'll be rewarded with five more, or three more. Or one more, um, Paul, when he talks about the judgment seat of Christ, is not trying to get Christians to live in fear. He's trying to motivate them. He's trying to get them not to live in eternal regret. He doesn't want them to be afraid of God. He wants them not to regret for an entire eternity that they didn't use everything God gave them the way God wanted them to use it. Uh, I've heard it said the pain of discipline is far less than the pain of regret. You know, you're going to have to experience one or the other. Paul is saying here, if you will discipline yourself to live for God, you will not regret eternally that you didn't use all the gifts God gave you for the mission that he called you to use them with. That, that is the judgment seat of Christ, standing before God one day to get our rewards for how we lived our life for Jesus. So um, to reiterate again, you said we'll stand before God to receive our rewards, um, and you mentioned the Olympic athletes again. They would receive their medals, um, but most— Christians want more than medals, right? We're, we're looking forward to heaven. Um, be, beyond eternal life in heaven, what specific rewards does the Bible mention that Christians can receive? And, and maybe secondly, what are, are there specific awards or rewards that we should be trying to gain by how we live our lives today? Yeah, absolutely. So the, um, the reward of Christianity is not just heaven. The reward of Christianity is not just Jesus. We're told in the New Testament 
um, that we can receive crowns. That's what they're called. We would call them medals because Olympic athletes now get medals. Olympic athletes 2,000 years ago got crowns. They got they got wreaths. So that's that's the thought, gold medals, silver medals, bronze medals. Um, we're told Christians can receive crowns one day when they get to heaven, rewards for how they live their life. There are five in Scripture. The first is mentioned. I'm going to list them by when they're mentioned in Scripture. So starting with the soonest, ending with the latest, no particular order. I'm going scripturally. The first is the incorruptible crown. That's one of the rewards, one of the crowns that you can get in heaven, the incorruptible crown. First Corinthians 9.25 says this is for people who, have, who practice spiritual self-disciplines in life, in their actions and in inactions. These are people who are disciplined to do everything God tells them to do. These are people who are disciplined to stop doing what God tells them to stop doing. These are people who have put spiritual self-disciplines in their life And every day they're working to try to get to know who God is and try to live how God wants them to live. People who do that are going to be rewarded for those disciplines they've put in their life with the incorruptible crown. The second is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. It's the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing is given to those who faithfully witness and help other people give their lives to follow Jesus. If you are a Christian listening to this podcast and you've had even one friend that you've helped lead to Jesus or you've invited church who's found Jesus, you're going to receive the crown of rejoicing. You're going to stand before that judgment seat of Christ, and he's going to put a crown on your head. He's going to put a medal around your neck that says, good job, you allowed someone else to be rejoicing spiritually because you shared your faith. You invited someone to be a part of your faith. The third crown we find in 2 Timothy 4.8, it's called the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness is given to those who faithfully look forward to the day of Christ's return, and they live in an expectancy to meet Jesus. The crown of righteousness is given for people who every day think, man, I'm ready to go to heaven, who every now and then when when something bad happens, they think Jesus one day will come back and make this right. Uh, these are people who, when they get the prognosis um, that the disease is bad, think, you know what, I'm going to be with Jesus soon. Or when they hear a relative um, has been in a car accident, they think, you know what, they're with Jesus. They're just people who have this awareness that we are meant to go and live with Jesus, and they faithfully look forward to that. They'll receive the crown of righteousness. The fourth is called the crown of glory in 1 Peter 5, 4. The crown of glory is given to those who serve in full-time ministry. Uh, They choose to let ministry provide for all their life needs. They choose not to go get a job to take care of their family. They choose to serve, and they pray that their service to a church or a ministry provides for them. Uh, Peter said those people who choose to shepherd for a living will receive the crown of glory. And then Revelation 2.10 is the last one. It's the crown of life. It's also in some translations called the victor's crown or the martyr's crown. It's given to those people who give their life for Jesus, um, meaning they die a martyr's death because they are Christians. Those five crowns, some people in heaven will have all five of those crowns, and they'll be given to them at the judgment seat of Christ. Remember, judgment seat of Christ, not to judge your sin, it's to reward your work. Those are the five crowns that that we can receive, and, and we should work. We should be disciplined, knowing, I want to receive the crown. We should talk to our friends about Jesus, knowing, I want to receive the crown. We should look forward to Jesus coming, knowing we want to receive the crown. There might be some people listening to this who have been contemplating Is God calling me to ministry or not? And maybe the thought that you can receive another crown in heaven says, I'm just going to go and trust God with what he's calling me to do. 
And we should know if we're ever faced with the reality of life or death for our faith, that there's a reward for that. The crown of, uh, of life is given to those who will give their life for the gospel. So, Pastor Christian, that's exciting. I listened to you as you listed those crowns, and I'm an achiever, and I'm like, I want every one of those. That's, that, that, sounds, that sounds like I should go after that. Um, what, what does it matter, you know, anyways, once we get to heaven? I mean, why, why, what's the purpose of receiving these crowns? I mean, do we get to wear one for each day of the week? I mean, what ultimately is the real reason why we get crowns in heaven? Yeah, it's a great question. So the only thing we hear that is done with these crowns in heaven is we're told in Revelation 4.10 that we worship with them and we cast them at the feet of Jesus in gratitude for who he made us to be and the impact that he called us to and then gifted us to have. The only thing we read about what we do with these crowns is we return them to Jesus in tremendous gratitude and worship. So basically a life of discipline, a life of witnessing, a life of faithfully looking for Jesus' return, even being willing to give our life for Jesus, a life of ministry, all that does is allows us to have enhanced worship one day when we are around the throne of God. It just allows us to to give a little bit of an offering back, basically to say our life was nothing more than an offering for Jesus our entire life, and now that we've been rewarded for it, we want to cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus, right? We, we sing that old song in our church, We Fall Down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. That's what that means. The rewards we that we earn in our life, we give back to Jesus because he's the only one who helped us achieve those. And we did it all for him in the first place anyway. So it's not something we prayed around. It's not an accessory item. It's not something we boast about. Man, he has five. He only has one. He must have been a way better Christian. Um, it's just something that allows us to have enhanced worship one day in heaven. So I'm guessing most Christians um, probably don't know everything you've just taught us um, today, um, especially about the judgment seat of Christ and eternal rewards and worshiping with Him. Um, just two follow-up questions as we wrap up today. Um, why don't you think we all know this? I mean, it seems pretty important. Uh, it's, it seems like something we should all at least have a really good idea about. And 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 secondly, Will there be people without any crowns? Uh, what happens in eternity with them? Yeah, so great question. As I've been processing this series as our church approaches, you know, our seven-year anniversary, you know, I, can, I can't speak for every church. I can say for our church that there are some Sundays um, that feel like desperation Sundays in an eternal sense, right? Easter and Christmas and some of our outreach Sundays where we think, like, this is our one shot to preach the gospel to people. And it's really important that on those Sundays we preach the gospel clearly and we give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel and then we celebrate when they acknowledge that they've that they've done that. But I think sometimes we can get caught in the trap that you know one Sunday means everything for Christianity instead of looking at a journey that's 7 years long. Um you know for our church now we get caught up in Sunday to Sunday and sometimes we can get focused on decisions and and kind of those those big events rather than just the everyday life. But Jesus says, I look at deeds. I know your deeds, right? He, he didn't say to any church, I know your decisions. He said, I know, I know your deeds. So I think we don't maybe get into the level of talking about judgment seat of Christ because we just want people to go to heaven. But here's the deal. For seven years, we've had people saying, okay, yeah, I want to go to heaven. What's next? So we now have to teach them, you know, what it looks like in heaven. When you get to heaven— What's that going to be like, and what what will be the opportunities that we have to worship there and live there? So I think a lot of that's on on us. I can only speak for our church, but I think we just 
we've got to do a better job of just getting deeper, um, deeper into the roots of what Christianity is. And will there be Christians with no crowns in heaven? There doesn't have to be, but I'm sure there, sh- I'm sure there will be. Um, you say, what, what will it be like for them? 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says that on that day, speaking of Judgment Day, it says that all Christians will rejoice. So we got to remember when, when the flesh, when the sin nature is taken out of us, we become who Jesus says we should become, that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. Um, and no crown Christians uh, will look at Christians receiving their crowns like a parent looks at their kid who's won a wrestling tournament. He, you know, the dad doesn't want to go get a medal too. He's just so excited that his, that his boy has got one. When, you know, when the mom's daughter wins the dance competition, she doesn't want to go get a ribbon. She's just so excited her daughter has. We, we will be in perfect joy celebrating with those who have received their crowns because there'll be no such thing as jealousy or self-pity, um, you know, those things that come from our sin nature in eternity. So we'll just be thrilled for those of us who are there and don't have any crowns. We'll, we'll just be so excited about everyone else receiving theirs um, that kind of an, an overflow of our spirit, even though we don't have any crowns, is being excited for and celebrating with those who do according to 1 Corinthians 4 or 5. But... Um, there doesn't have to be any Christians without any crowns because everyone can choose to be disciplined. Everyone can choose to talk to a friend about Jesus. Everyone can choose to look faithfully to Jesus returning. Um, there doesn't need to be any Christians without any crowns. Last question today, Pastor Christian, maybe we can get really practical. Um, how does knowledge of all of this, um, Jesus' evaluation of our deeds, judgment in the end, and eternal rewards inspire you and change the way you live your life today? Um, do you have this constant awareness of this in your life? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I woke up this morning, I wasn't thinking about eternal rewards. I do more now because of this series. Uh, here, you know, here's here's how I would say this: evaluation of deeds leads to everyday discipline, right? Knowing that Jesus is evaluating my deeds leads to every everyday discipline. No, He's not just looking for a decision. Uh, evaluation of deeds leads to everyday discipline. Um, you say, how, you know, how does it inspire me? Let me give you the words of Paul again. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 10, Paul says, here's how this should inspire you. Therefore, we're always confident. And we know that as long as we're at home in these bodies, we're away from the Lord who's in heaven. For we live by faith, not by sight, but we're confident. And I'd say we probably all prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord in heaven. So we make it our goal to please him. Whether we're at home in the body, whether we're away from it one day in heaven, we know we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So, yeah, we become aware and we become disciplined um, and and we live with an excitement that our father is watching us. You know, my dad was my high school football coach, so I never played a play of high school in football that after the play I didn't look over. Um, to my dad in college when I played in college at Liberty University he wasn't my football coach but he would sit at the top of the stands at the 50 yard line and I always knew he was there and I always knew he was watching Uh, and after the bad plays and after the good plays not after every play but after the really bad ones I would look to him for comfort after the really good ones I would look to him for joy and it always motivated me um, and made me work harder it always gave me comfort and hope to know he was there evaluating. And I think spiritually it's the same thing. When, when you know your Heavenly Father sitting in the stands and you know he's going he's gonna to grieve when you get it wrong and you know he's going to celebrate when you get it right, 
um, I just think there's there's this added motivation of thinking, hey, Dad's here. Dad's here for, for this one. Um, he's up in the stands. And I just think it pushes you to, I think it pushes you to be better. So I'm grateful for what I've learned. Um, and for me, evaluation of deeds, absolutely. If I can if I can keep that on my mind, will lead to everyday discipline and make me better. Well, Pastor Christian, thank you for unpacking this exciting truth for us today. I know personally that I have a greater longing just after listening to you for the past 20 minutes or so that for, for heaven and, and for receiving those rewards. Um, we want to thank you again for listening to our podcast as well. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet, we'd love for you to recommend this to some friends. Send a link to them in an email or a text and, and take some time to rate us on, on, on iTunes or Google Play. That really helps us get the word, on, word out about this incredible resource. We look forward to joining you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.